After 120 minutes of scoreless soccer at Championship Soccer Stadium this past Saturday, Orange County and Oakland went to a PK shootout. One of the most stressful things there is in all of soccer, all of sports really, and it came down to key plays from Orange County goalkeeper Patrick Krakowski making a big save uh, to allow Ronaldo Damas the opportunity to score the winning kick to push Orange County on past Oakland. And now they will face San Antonio FC in the USL Championship Western Conference Finals. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County and the rest of USL Championship Soccer fans, supporters, followers, whoever you may be listening, watching? This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm going to take you through this journey as we discuss all things Western Conference playoff finals in the USL Championship, something like that. I don't know. I can't speak correctly. Let's see if we can get someone to speak correctly. Let's see if he's even paying attention to us. He's out actually having fun when he's supposed to be working like the rest of us here tonight. That's Dylan from Caroline Coalition. Dylan. Uh, where are you and how are you doing, my man? I am at local brewery, Brewery X. I am repping the um, former USL club, Reno 1868. Um, that's just a happy coincidence, but I'm on, my, I'm on my way back, so I promise I'm working. But I'm doing well. I am two beers deep, so this might be a crazy episode. It, when is it not a crazy episode? Uh, and, and Dylan sort of channeling his inner Cameron as we're going to hear a bunch of noises in the background, all that fun stuff. Uh, let's head on down south to San Diego, where we got the man, Alan, from San Diego. Uh, Alan, how you doing, my man? Doing all right. Uh, I have I am now officially like a, a, a new in the playoffs, which is fun. I, I commented on the, the goal kicks being less stressful for me uh, because, uh, yeah, you have a slight rooting interest, but, you know, you also understand the storyline for Oakland and how kind of crazy that would be for them uh, and how heartbreaking it was for them to lose that way. Um, but I, I was really happy to be there watching that match. It was uh, it was an interesting one. Maybe not the most thrilling for an, uh, but it definitely had some very, the, the extra time I think had some very interesting uh, uh, calls and you know, you got to give it to the officials that they, right. Which it was crazy. So having a good time very much crazy and we are really we're definitely going to talk about it and i'm gonna hear from some of our guests but before we get to our guests got one more person that's a regular on this show uh must must love dylan's outfit tonight and that's brad up in reno brad does does dylan's shirt make you happy or does it make you sad uh happy for sure because you know there's a lot of reno 1868 players still around the league so i can't be sad seeing you know so many good players 
having success in the league. We'll be talking about a couple of them tonight. And I know you were up on social media is talking about uh, some of those players from San Antonio that you're going to have to, I guess, hate for a week or at least not cheer for a week, I guess, is the better way to say it. Uh, yes, uh, it is called the Gleedle Disagreement Week. There we go. Um, let's get to one of these guests who's actually in San Antonio, the opponent of Orange County this upcoming Saturday at Championship Soccer Stadium. And that is Harry, big fan of the show, and we're a big fan of him. Harry in San Antonio. How are we doing, my man? Um, you and I probably aren't going to get along very well this week. Uh, obviously, Orange County, San Antonio, and I believe right now, Clippers, Spurs. It, you know, how'd you arrange this? I don't know how. It, I, I totally <laughs> forgot. I don't have access to the local station that covers um, the Clippers because they're on Valley Sports, which I think barely anyone gets. Right. And so Same I don't here. get a chance to watch many Clipper games, but hopefully uh, they can knock off the Spurs. I don't know. You, you can, you're you up can, by four at half. So, or, uh, yeah, so we got this already. Half, it, so. That's simple. That's easy. <laughs> it's um, why their initials those, are. It's, it's why their initials are BS because. <laughs> That's how the channel is. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, one more guest to bring on. He was uh, on our show for the first time a couple weeks ago, and we're getting to this 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 key point of the season, especially for Orange County, because we're still in it. San Antonio's still in it, and we have no idea what's going on in the Eastern Conference because you know that's a total different part of the world. Uh, so we brought John on to help us out with a little bit of that, and also to help us uh, dissect this upcoming matchup for Orange County and San Antonio. What's up, John? Yeah, happy to be back. I mean, loved being on a couple of weeks ago. So it's it, it's awesome to hear that people actually love being on our show because somehow, some way, we make this happen and people like us. Uh, we've we've been bubbling along for what three and a half years now, Dylan. How long has it been? Something like that. Uh, yeah, three and a half years. Uh, this this December, so we are just a couple of weeks away now. Um, so let's do this. Let's talk about this. Uh, I guess I, I know Harry and I, before this, this stream went live, we said it probably wasn't the most exciting match for a neutral fan, uh, being that it was very defensive. Uh, and Dylan's shaking his head. I don't know if he's disagreeing with that or if he's agreeing with it. Um, at least for the regular uh, your 90 minutes and even that extra bit of time, there were some you know areas of, of excitement, but very, very chess like in this match where it's each team sort of just trying to figure out where they can maybe get that victory and neither of them could get it let me go to you first because you were actually at the stadium in the stands with Caroline coalition a what was the atmosphere like there uh in the general was it ga1 is what the official title of that area is uh, what was the atmosphere like and uh what did you think of at least up until the end of 120 minutes um, it was it was a party, and I've I don't think I've seen that many people in the stadium since 2018 in the Western Conference Finals, so that was that was great to see. Um, but it was, ooh, I think it was mostly fun more than anything. It wasn't too stressful because it kind of I'm sure John will prove me wrong later with some actual uh, statistics and some actual knowledge, but it kind of just seemed like Oakland didn't really want to win that game. Uh, they were more interested in just like almost dragging it out for 120 minutes, which is what they ended up doing. Um, and what we ended up doing as well. So it was good, but you could tell uh, some voices were getting tired and some legs were getting tired at the end of that 120. 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump straight over to John because Dylan called out the name because I want to see if John has anything to disagree with Dylan there. Uh, but I also want to ask John a, a very specific question about this match. Uh, you know, Orange County, this this impressive run for them of being a really, really solid defensive squad. Uh, I'm going to assume any team that's going up against Orange County has to come in with the game plan of they need to score at least a couple goals um, or at least they have to get enough chances to score some goals to have an opportunity to take out this Orange County squad. Uh, what were your thoughts, A, with what Dylan said, uh, that this was uh, exciting? And, uh, you know, what is it that Orange County is doing that's working so well and stopping other teams from scoring against them? Yeah, just to address the excitement question, I think both teams had a fairly negative approach to the game where they really were comfortable sitting back defensively. Um trying to just grind it out. Orange County was certainly the more positive of the two sides. I don't really think that's up for debate. But um, in terms of the success, I think in this match especially, you really saw the way that the back four and the double pivot for Orange County was just so organized. Uh, McCabe and Powers centrally were so important to what this team was doing. I thought Eric Cavio was the man of the match for me. What he did with that sort of central attacking midfield spot where he could slide deeper given his pedigree in the central midfield role, or he could press up is really something more of a second striker when the moment called for it was essential to how OC stopped Oakland from those central builds ups. Uh, you see Matthias Pesore really be one of the sparks for the side and he was shut down. Um, some of the long ball play that they were getting through Quincy Ameriqua in past matches in their sort of good run of form for Oakland didn't really turn out for them. So I think the way that OC just subtly changes their game plan while keeping that solid base at the back to address what their opponent is going to be doing has just proven so effective in this uh, recent run of form for them. Um, let me sort of piggyback off the, what you said there, John, and just ask Brad this question. I'm going to go to Brad next. Uh, so, you know, John's mentioning that both these teams sort of have this game plan of let's sit back and and play more defensive and, and figure out, you know, pick our opportunities out here right is that the wrong approach when you're going against a team like orange county that for the last what 10 matches now has been you know winning by that one goal margin and limiting the amount of goals the other team scoring is that the right approach as an opponent to come in against orange county in your opinion well i think that uh the counterattack is something that oakland has always done well this season um but as for Orange County, we came into this match with a huge question mark missing both Kobe Henry and uh, Robbie Kiernan. And if you would have told me, hey, we're going to bring uh, what Alston into the middle, uh, put Nathan Smith in the uh, in the uh, left uh, wing back position, I would have been like, you know, that doesn't necessarily sound like what I would do. Uh, I thought Dylan Powers would have been what I was expecting as a uh, – center back there but i thought you know kind of seamless uh orange county continued what they were good at while basically down a man out of position so very happy to see that um and yeah i mean i don't really have too much more to add uh orange county definitely played their game and didn't get didn't get crossed up there uh, I'm going to jump over to to Harry really quick as an outsider. I'm sure after the San Antonio RGV match, you at least went and checked out a little bit of this match. If not, you're not doing your fandom right of trying to scout who your next opponent may be. 
Uh, but you tuned in, of course, if you did, to a 0-0 uh, match or a nil-nil match at that point. Um, and I, I think before the show, you said it was a little bit of a snooze fest or something like that. Is that correct? It was, but I'm going to push back on you guys. If you look at the average positions, if you look at shots, now they weren't on target, but if you look at shots, Oakland had more shots than Orange County. You look at the average position, Oakland was higher. Um, you know, you know, looking at, you know, according to, you know, the USL site here, just looking at the starters, you know, just that way the subs doesn't. So I don't necessarily disagree that, that Oakland wasn't pushing. I, I think both teams tactically, you know, tactically, um, you know, played defensive first. There's no question about that. But I think Oakland took their chances. The problem is, is, is they couldn't put it on frame. And, and, you know, that might be why it seemed a little bit more that Orange County had it. But, you know, Oakland took 11 shots, uh, only one on target. Orange County only took eight and had three on target. So, you know, but for the, the volume of the game, you know, because we watched the second half by the time we got home out of, out of the stadium and, you know, you know, it, it was an even match, you know, it just, it's, you know, it seemed like a good environment that was coming through the TV. Um, you know, it's just, it's, you know, just neither team could break down the defense. So. All right. Look at, look at Harry uh, already trying to cause some problems on here tonight. Um, but I would, I, I would counter argue against you, Harry's right. This is orange County's game plan, right. Is, is taking the, the shots, just not getting knocked out uh, at least for the last eight, nine, 10 matches. That's what they've been trying to do is, is just keep themselves there and look for their opportunities. And let me go to you, Alan, right? If, if the other team can't hit target, I mean, aren't you just gonna let them shoot all day if they're showing that they can't hit the target and not be scared about that? I mean, uh, yes and no. I think in this situation, there, there were a lot of question marks uh, talking to Richard Chapelo after the match and asked about the defensive setup. Um, you know, with Michael Orozco being a question mark in the middle of the week, like he didn't train uh, for part of the week. And so it's like you only have one guy you know is reliable and then he had to get patched up like that is uh, that shows how much Michael Orozco wanted to be in that match um, and how much he means to the team. Um, I think the most fascinating part of this match was in stoppage time where both coaches kind of uh, switched around tactics. I think John pointed this out on his Twitter thread. We were in the box trying to figure out what Orange County was doing because I was like, these are 11 names that I don't think I've ever seen on the pitch together at one time. It was like, where is Enna Voltson playing? Is he playing a 10? Is this a 4-4-2 diamond? Like, how are they setting us up with Kaningas there? And it was... Like to me, that was the most fascinating play. Is with is is Chapla's playing a, a different uh, setup. Oakland goes to a three at the back. Uh, and again, something John pointed out as well. Like as he made the substitute, when the Oakland guys like were going through, and you know Moret. And so I, I think toward the end, um, both coaches are kind of putting players on the pitch to kind of get the win in extra time. I don't think either team was really going for a draw at the end. I think both of them were putting on some pretty strong players. And there were some 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 um, substitutions right before the end that was definitely setting up for PKs. You want to get the guys who are going to make those kicks on the pitch in a way that they're getting into the game and getting some touches. But I think, you know, watching this back, like I think watching that extra time, um, 
is the most fascinating. I think the first, second half are fine. But when Chapelo and Farrell are going back and forth with these really interesting tactical changes, I think that's where it was really exciting to see two teams kind of playing uh, differently than you might have seen any other time you've paid attention to these two teams. I know Oakland's gone three in the back before. That's something they've played. But, like, Orange County with this really weird offensive setup, I think Johnny <laughs> labeled it as, like, a it's kind of an unbalanced. It looked like a Z, like the Zorro. Yeah. They're playing the Zorro formation. Um, well, you had – right, you had for Orange County. At, at one time you had Ronaldo Damas, uh, Ugo Coley, Thomas Innovolts, and Darwin Jones all on the pitch at the same time. We've never seen that in the time that those players have been on the roster. I know really this is the only season where that could have happened. But even right. in the past, under Coach Brayden Cloutier, you never saw where you had that many goal scorers or attacking players and, and you know, players that all play really high up on the pitch, right? It's not like yeah. you have a, a player that can be a goal scorer but also will drop back a little bit. It was four legit goal scorers in there um, at one time. Right, so like – if you are a neutral, go back and just watch the extra time when these substitutes start happening. And I think if you're like a tactics nerd, um, it, it's a really fun chess match to watch. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily end up um, with any type of uh, ending that might be. Um, I mean, goal kick, penalty kicks are penalty kicks, but I mean, you had nice. Uh, Domus header that was called offside that Oliver asked if it was offside and I had to tell him yeah and then he yelled at me about being a San Diego fan. Um, <laughs> but I, I think you know it was a clear offside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was several Obvious. steps. Like it, I I still think if he holds that run, I still think he might get ahead of that defender because he's so fast and so quick. But yeah, that was a pretty easy call. Um, One that Darwin Jones had an opportunity in the final like seconds right. of this match, pretty much. I um, just could gasp. not. And that might be something, too, where you're a player that had just come off the bench. Uh, you haven't really gotten clean touches yet, and it's just difficult at that time to be able to uh, get a volley uh, right in front of the goal with the pressure mounting on you. It's a difficult thing. So it was like the first – like the regular time, I think Orange County played a typical Orange County match, but I do think that Chaplow was putting his best players on the pitch to try and win this before penalty kicks because both of the teams, I don't think, wanted to chance that because you can control your destiny a little bit more in extra time than you can in PKs. And we saw what happens. Like you have great five great PK or four great PKs, five great PKs, and you have one bad, one bad shot. And that's the end of your season. Uh, so I think you're, you're looking at OC playing a pretty conservative match at the very end. And that's where, and again, I'm going to, John, I'm going to shout out your Twitter uh, uh, thread <laughs> on this. It was, like it was everything that I noticed, but couldn't articulate as clearly as you made it. So I appreciate you putting in words to what we were trying to figure out in the press box. That's why he's allowed to have that uh, Twitter handle of USL tactics. Uh, let me ask you this real quick, John, before we get into these uh, PKs. Uh, if you look at that match in the whole, the, the 120 minutes, is there someone on there that you look at and you say, or is there a side, either Oakland or Orange County, that you look at the tactics that they played in this match that said, they deserved this win or was it pretty evenly matched up in your eyes uh, at the end tactics wise? I think Oakland came into this one with a simple but effective game plan where you're going to sit into this sort of 442-4231 formation. You'll press the wingers up at times. It's basic, but it'll get the job done. It'll grind out a result. Maybe you'll snatch something with a long ball akin to what happened against El Paso. I 
have the tendency to want to credit the side that was more positive tactically. And as we talked about with those late subs for Orange County, that was certainly the side that tried to grab the game by the scuff of the neck. I mean, I think the Univolts and sub really changed things and gave that measured creative presence that he's been so good at providing in the USL for years. Um, I thought Akoli was really bright when he came on, Kaningas as well, where there really was an offensive impetus. Um, just speaking of the chance quality that we had brought up earlier, Oakland had three shots in the box the entire time, and they were four of 29 crossing in the game. So they were able to get possession in those sort of attacking areas, but didn't really have anything to do with it once they got there. Whereas Orange County certainly had, I think, fewer chances to really do things. But when they were able to progress the ball, whether that was through a lost gear to MS or some of the subs, they showed some intent. So I think I lean towards Orange County if there was a more deserving team here. So the, the quality over quantity argument is sort of what we're looking at there, right? It's getting fewer chances, but more quality chances. Harry, I'm going to give you last right. word on this before we talk about these PKs. And you can just say, I agree with everything that Ray says. Yeah. I don't really have much more to communicate on it right now. Just, I thought it was an even match, you know, like, I'm just, you know, I mean, I, you're, that, that's a fair assessment of this. If a, if a match after 120 minutes is nil, nil, and it's going to PKs, it's probably a pretty even match. You know, there's going to be pluses and minuses for everyone, but it's going to be pretty evenly matched up if you're going into PKs in a playoff scenario after 120 minutes. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Well, that was to me, the is there, was there really any yeah. standout chances that the teams missed? Right. That's the issue. Is there wasn't there wasn't a there was the offsides which you know the the refs got it right but there were shots but I don't think there was really any you know I don't want to say both teams were playing for you know you know for for PKs because I don't think that was the case I just think this is a, this is a matchup that this was their fifth fifth time playing each other they knew each other very well and. Neither one until the very end made a, made a whole lot of adjustments, uh, you know, to to change tactics. And in this match, for probably for the first time this year, Oakland was able to kind of match the effort by by Orange County and and stay in it. And you know, I think I think you know Oakland Oakland showed themselves well. You know, especially from the start of the year till till this match here. You know, would have shocked people if they would have won this game if you actually watched it? No. Um, would have shocked, you know, Orange County sneaking a goal late? No. But, you know, as, as a neutral, it just felt like this was going to PKs. Just, just you know, it just had that vibe, and it had that vibe early in, this, in the second half. So let's talk about PKs, because Alan mentioned, you know, sort of being a neutral at this point. I know he's a, a podcast regular on a, our, our podcast, but really he's San Diego at heart. So Orange County's you know, when it's Orange County, he would love to see Orange County progress, but, you know, it's not this important thing. San Diego is more important to Allen at this point. Um, but for Orange County fans, probably a pretty nerve-wracking uh, scenario there. Uh, I was watching on the ESPN Plus stream because I was out of town, and I swear I probably took – I already have really short nails because I bite my nails all the time. I took a good, like, half inch off of already really short nails. I mean, if I showed you my nails, you probably would be grossed out at this point. Uh, but let's talk about this. There's three names I want to call out to talk about during these PKs. I want to talk about uh, Blanchett. I want to talk about uh, um, Ronaldo Domas's kick, of course. 
And I also want to talk about uh, the goalkeeper for Orange County uh, and Patrick Rakowski. So let's talk about Blanchett really quick. Uh, this dude was guessing right almost every single time, just could not get his fingertips on the ball. I, I was watching with my wife and my wife was like getting nervous because it seemed like every single time, the first like three kicks or whatever, Blanchett was getting closer and closer and closer to getting that ball. Orange County kickers were just getting it right in that difficult part uh, for the goalkeepers there. Does anyone feel bad for Blanchett after this uh, match? Because he probably is kicking himself that he should have at least made one of those saves early. Uh, and then of course, you know, he had the big blunder that gave Ronaldo Damas a second opportunity, which even on the second opportunity, he still did the same thing, which would have probably ended up to a third opportunity had that presented itself as an opportunity. We'll talk about the controversy with that, but let me just ask, anyone feel bad for Blanchett on those first three where he dove right and those that was the absolute correct direction? He just could not get his hands on the ball. I mean, no, no, but also like, yes, but also like, no, like his story is wild. He signed with Oakland as their like third keeper and he has managed to work himself up to the starting role. Like his, like, like go back and look at the signings from Oakland. Like his story is absolutely wild how he got into the starting position. Uh, so like hats off to him. I think he had a great game. Otherwise uh, he's just a little bit unlucky that he, I mean, he's guessing right, but I think, you know, if you rewatch those penalty kicks, most of them are like really well taken penalty kicks that are both sides. Both sides. Right. Yeah, they're, they're like hugging posts. They're 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 hit hard enough that you know you'd have to have like go go gadget arms to get to those. Like no yeah. humans getting to those or stretch Armstrong. I'll reference our... that, that millennials are not going to understand at this point. Right. So I'll go. I'll go stretch Armstrong. Is that a little bit newer? I don't know. I don't know how those. No, go go but... gadget's good. I, I, we were we were making those comments in the in the press box. We're like, man, like this is uh, like the keepers are guessing right. They're just be- beaten by better penalty kicks, and it was really boiled down to it's going to take that one bad PK. And unfortunately, that was Oakland was the first one to take kind of a not great PK that was placed to the center for uh, Rakowski to get his hand on. But I think you know Blanchett is you know one of the stars of the match if you're giving out like three stars like hockey i think blanchette gets one of those stars for sure um i mean again his story and oakland's story are kind of similar like just no one thought he was gonna get a start he was the third keeper that became the backup keeper that became the starter um just this kind of cinderella story for him and like if he he's a starting keeper in the usl for sure um so let's um talk about the uh, Rakowski save before we go back to Blanchett and Ronaldo Damas, that whole scenario there. I want to talk to you real quick, Brad, because I haven't heard your voice in a while. I want to hear your voice. Um, Rakowski, up until that save, was looking a little shaky. He, I think he was diving in the wrong direction almost every time. Uh, never looked like he was uh, going to make the save. You could even maybe see there's this little concern or little slight lack of confidence at some point there coming towards the, I think it was the fourth kick for Oakland that he stopped. Um what did you think? What, what, what is your thoughts on uh, your best impression or your best thoughts on what was going through Rakowski's mind that whole time and up until making the save? Uh, I believe it was the sixth kick and the last kick that he stopped, not the fourth. Okay. Um, but that's kind of irrelevant. Um, you know, 
in Rakowski's head, he's probably telling himself all it takes is one save there. Um, and really, it boils down to Akeem Ward had what I thought was a pretty poorly taken penalty kick there to where he hesitates, kind of uh, telegraphs and sees where Rakowski goes and then kind of kicks it in the direction that Rakowski is already sliding towards. So, so you know, just as much as Rakowski makes a good save there, I think part of the blame should be placed on uh, the actual penalty kick itself. Simple and sweet there. Uh, I'm going to go to Harry next, and, and this is more because you're a true, like, neutral fan at this point. John's neutral on this, but he's a little bit more of the tactical guy. I wasn't neutral on on. This. I won't lie to you. What's up? I wasn't neutral on this. I was going for the roots. <laughs> oh, when it came oh. to this part, I was like, come, come on, Oakland, because that way we get another game here until we get a field. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> okay, so you're not neutral. So you're actually rooting for Oakland. At so this, this might point, help out a little bit more. <laughs> This might help a little bit more on this question because we're going to now talk about hesitations. We're going to talk about Ronaldo Damas, uh, his hesitation on that run-up, and which caused Blanchett to come off the line not once but twice because even on the re-kick, if you watch the replay, that Orange County got like an amazing angle of that re-kick uh, from their social media team. And you can see Blanchett has both feet off the line by the time Damas strikes. So let me ask you, is are you if you're an Oakland fan – are you upset that that was that the initial save from Blanchett on Ronaldo Damas was called back, or do you have to, you know, give props to you know the or not props, but understand? Hey, that's the rules, and Blanchett messed up. So, because you are an Oakland fan in this moment, you just admitted it. Well, no, I I even tweeted afterwards that I didn't like that they re-kicked the the kick, and it wasn't, and it's it's not just this match; it's 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 any of them when 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 the kicker pauses stops you know whatever you want to call it it's supposed to be a smooth motion his was not a smooth motion you know by by letter of the law but they never call it on the kickers but yet they have this rule and they started enforcing it what two years ago or the you know i think it was the last women's world cup is when they really started enforcing this so by the letter of law, you can't be upset because technically it's the right call. I just, you know, I just think it puts the goalkeepers at a huge disadvantage, um, already more than what they are. Um, you know, d- you know, did the refs get it right? Yes. You know, did he leave early? Yes. Um, in my opinion, you could argue that you know the. You know, well, you Thomas... said the refs got it right, so it's good. Refs got it right. That's all we have to hear. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, continue. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I just I, I think. I think to me, and this isn't just a, a, a USL pro thing or, you know, a USL thing. This, this happens across the world. You know, I think, you know, I think if you have that stutter step, that pause, whatever you want to call it, that should also start to be getting called now as well. If you're, if you're going to, if you're really going to be looking at the, at the um, goalkeepers, if you're off the line by six inches, you know, whatever, you know, whatever this, whatever the amount is. And, and this isn't the first instance that we've seen this called, you know, in, in the game. Um, I, I just, you know, to, to me, it puts the goalkeepers at such a huge disadvantage. And, you know, if you're a Roots fan, you probably feel a little bit emotionally undone. Like I was, you know, wasn't upset, upset, but, you know, I was, I was a little bit perturbed and, you know, I, I put it out and, and you know, was, but mine's more just in general. Um, cause at the end of the day, you know, the rule's the rule. You can't argue with the rule. And I know Alan, you know, tweeted on, 
you know, tweeted on on uh, uh, Twitter, you know, my little post there saying, hey, this is, you know, because Alan always comes back with Mr. Rules of, hey, this is how it's <laughs> supposed to be. <laughs> That's why Phoenix fans love Alan so darn much. Uh, well, it's cool because he leaves the emotion out. Uh, you know, my tweet, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, probably had some emotion, you know, for it here because, you know, you we're now traveling to, you know, to Orange County, which. Which we'll I hear from you, most, most San Antonio people are hoping that San Antonio wins since they can spend their money to go to Florida or Louisville, Kentucky. If you're one game out, are you are you paying the money to go? If you're so, if you're one game out, are you paying to go to the Western Conference Championship, or are you hoping San Antonio or whatever team that it is can can make the money to go to to the finals? When That's you know you're going to lose the match, you're going to the Western Conference Finals because you're going to lose the match. You won't get that other opportunity. Uh, let me we'll, move we'll on over to John. Later, I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> let sure. me move on over to John here really quick. Your thoughts on the Ronaldo Damas uh, winning PK um, there, at, you know, and the whole Blanchett coming off the line uh, and it being retaken, you know, just in your mind, what are you looking at there? And is this the right call in this situation, in this big moment of a game? I'm pretty much with Harry on this where, yeah, it's the letter of the law. That's how it's supposed to be enforced in theory by the rules. But it's, it is completely unfair when you have the penalty takers violating the other side of it so often. And I, I feel like it's an inconsistently applied rule, even in the context of goalies where it's such a judgment call. Was it the right choice given the context? Probably. Did it take away from the drama a little bit? Yeah. Did OC deserve to win? Probably at the end of the day. So, I mean, I think it balances out, but I'm not necessarily happy with the exact manner that things went down. So here we go. I'm going to probably make a few Orange County fans a little bit upset here. I come from a NBA background, you know, that was sort of my first true love sport uh, before I got into this beautiful sport of soccer slash football around the world. And one of the things you see in the NBA, especially in the closing minutes of games is the refs don't want to impact the outcome of a game. Now, some people will argue that by not making the call, you impact the outcome of the, the match uh, or the game, but you tend to see some of the calls that would be maybe the obvious calls. It's almost like in soccer with those calls or, or those fouls that occur inside the PK, the penalty box, sorry. Um, maybe if it was outside of the penalty box, the ref makes the call, but inside the penalty box, they're going to be a little bit more lenient on the, the contact and the stuff that goes on. Um, so I can get the argument where you're upset about that call being made in that crucial situation. But I'm an Orange County fan, so I got to be excited about the way things turned out there. So, but uh, you know, I'm looking at both sides of it. I get it. It's it's the ref took this match and basically took control of this match in the most important play uh, of a close. But match. the ref called it right. You, you yeah, know, the ref. I know we right. say that, but the ref called it, called it right now. But you mentioned too the stutter step. And did the ref make the correct call when it comes but to? But they don't call hesitation. It. It's, not a, it's not a point but, of emphasis. I've seen it called in other matches around the world. I'm a Tottenham fan, and I saw that exact same thing with less of a hesitation with uh, Young Min's son uh, doing the same type of move against, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Liverpool, who knows, 
not as much of a hesitation and makes it. And then the ref calls it back because of the, the hesitation there. So it's the inconsistency. Uh, you don't see the kicker get penalized as much as the goalkeeper in those situations, which that's what happens. That's the fun stuff of the sport. In well, the I, end, Orange County. Go ahead, Harry. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Giannis Harris from, from uh, the Roots who got subbed on at 120 minutes plus one. So he hadn't touched the ball. He went up and hit a clean PK, as we saw in the Euros. I forget. I think it was England that, that did that. And, um, yes. It did not work miserably. out <laughs> So, uh, So props, yes. That is a good props to him to from Harry. taking a clean shot on your, on, on your first, uh, first shot. Alan's raising his hand there. He apparently has something he wants to add to this. Yes. Ready? Fainting to kick the ball once the kicker has completed the run-up. Fainting in the run-up is permitted according to FIFA rules. So you can faint. You can faint during the run-up, but once you've completed the run-up, you cannot faint to kick a ball. So even by the letter of the law, what Damas did was still legal. Now, if you want to say the rules should be changed so that it has to be a consistent and constant motion, then I think that's the argument to make. And I think that's a fair one. Like, I think goalies are already at a disadvantage during the PKs that you say once you start your run-up, your run-up should be as like a sustained speed. So if you want to do like the super slow run-up, uh, that's fine. But according to the rule book, you can faint all you want during the run-up. You just can't faint at the end. So there is no call there to make against Damas. I think uh, Blanchett moves. The, it's the second jump that really does it. I think he bounces once and it comes close to off the line. I think his second jump comes pretty far off the line and then just a few little uh, st- uh things um Rakowski guessed right three out of the six times he almost saves the second one he gets a touch and it hits off the post and then obviously the last uh, and then Blanchett guesses correctly on all of them but the first pk which is f- like insane he guessed on all that, that, so- that, that's insane thing is is that's almost impossible to do that's he should have been buying lottery tickets that night even though they lost yep. uh, and it is it match. really I mean- is it really is for a keeper. Like you're looking to make one save. Like you're not making yeah. to make two or three. You're looking at one save and and Blanchett unfor- put him in put himself in position to make five or six saves, but he just Correct. couldn't get it. He just couldn't yes. quite get to those because they were just better. Um, I think the one that was like kind of the wrong guess was kind of the the first PK from Kaningas, where it was like kind of down the center kind of not down the center. So it was hard to say that he guessed wrong or right there. I, I put he guessed wrong because whatever. But all of the rest of them, he definitely dove the correct way. Rakowski uh, dove correctly three out of the six times, which is still pretty good. Apparently, I mean, we shouldn't call it guessing, though. If I mean, there's probably – usually there's a strategy behind the way the goalkeeper is diving. It's not just a, you know, his, I'm going to wait till he kicks okay. the ball to guess. His strategy paid off. <laughs> uh Rakowski was about a coin flip, and that's what you know, three out of six. And but and he made the same. Beat. Yeah. And, and you know, hey, I'm not gonna don't want to bash Blanchett when he's down, but I mean, even on the second Ronaldo Damas kick, he still came off the line early. So I mean, you know it's coming. Why do you still do it? Who knows? Um, let's move ahead. Because now all this Orange County moves on, and San Antonio had a little bit more of a what, what was it? A, a Smooth, easy win. I think we we're talking about. I, I, said I think convincing. Harry said convincing win against um, who is it? Uh, RGV. RGV. Blanchett's RGV. old team from last year. 
there we go. Um, really quick, Harry, give us your your quick rundown on that match, and we'll then look ahead to this Orange County uh, San Antonio match this weekend. So I think San Antonio was pretty dominant in this match, just kind of like they were. I hate to say this against Allen, but uh, like they were against uh, the Loyal. Um, once again, thirty three percent possession, but you know, just the once if, if San Antonio can get the get the lead early. Um, and, and against RGV, they were able to get their goal in the uh, 24th minute on this one here. So it was only one nothing at half. And then 55th minute, he got, you know, Patino got the brace. And then they got the third goal in the 61st. And then RGV got a PK called. Um, I think it was around the 70 or 70th minute, 69th minute. Um, but RGV was just you know, they, they just couldn't handle the press. And, and that's, I think, going to be the very interesting uh, subject where, you know, I'm interested to hear what John has to say because uh, San Antonio will not set back. Um, they pray a, a pressing style. They, um, you know, it, it's, you know, you know, you know, to quote Landon Donovan, uh, they're aggressive. Uh, they, uh, you know, they uh, will, push the issue uh we'll, we'll just say you know they led the league in fouls they led the league in yellow cards they led the league in, in red cards but if you look at their possession and if you look at their the ability to turn that limited possession into goals you know it, it, it's it's very impressive so and i think you know for san antonio with nathan and patino up top um with having ford Tainter and uh, Kamiri in the back and, you know, super emergency sub far, you know, goalkeeper. I'm very excited, uh, you know, for San Antonio's chances going against Orange County. So really quick, before I go to you, John, I want to ask you just sort of your thoughts on the San Antonio RGV match. Um, but Rob Kiernan, if by any chance you're listening to our show, I, I know you probably already know the stats, but apparently San Antonio likes cards and we know you like taunting the opposing players into getting cards or committing card fouls. So Rob Kiernan, do your job on this match. Uh, and we can thank Harry for that uh, scouting report there. It goes um, both ways, buddy. It goes both uh, ways. San Antonio gets under that skin. A lot of teams have got frustrated. There we go. Uh, John, really quick, your thoughts on the San Antonio RGV match before we move ahead and uh, look at look ahead to this uh, Western Conference final. Yeah, I think convincing is the best word for it. RGV just couldn't handle the pressure. They sort of switched to this, like, four center midfielder set up in the last couple of weeks. And it's seen them to some pretty high levels of success. Honestly, I think anyone who's seen them play recently could attest to that. But the way that San Antonio sort of used those four attacking players to close down, they pushed PC high up the pitch. Uh, the wide center backs got up again in the press as well. And RGV really didn't have an answer for it. Um, and when you have those dynamic players that San Antonio uh, has in droves, really, and they're winning the ball in space in these press scenarios, it's kind of game over. Like, they really played out their game plan to a T. And as Harry said again, when they got the lead, it was always going to be really hard for RGB to get back in it, given that they're just not the most explosive side to begin with. Perfect. So both these teams now move ahead. It's a Western Conference final uh, USL championship. The winner moves on to the big game uh, against either Tampa Bay or Louisville. Um, 
San Antonio is traveling out to Orange County. Is there any kind of disadvantage for San Antonio in that? Uh, it sounds like there'll be a minimal amount of fans making their way out here because it seems like a lot of the fans are either confident um, that their team will win and they'll get an opportunity to go to the championship. Um, I'm going to ask you, John, on this. Um, I, I sort of, based on the what you've talked about here so far, I, I think you're going to lean towards San Antonio um, probably having the advantage in this match because you've said you usually go for the more attacking-minded uh, club. But let's just talk about that home field advantage. Is there an advantage for Orange County in this match? I do think that there's an innate comfort level in being at home, not having to go through the travel. But that said, I I mean, I think you're right that I lean towards San Antonio. Um, I won't spoil the prediction there, but um, I really see things playing out somewhat similarly to how the RGV game went in that I don't really trust the build up out of the back for Orange County. And I do think that something that sets them apart from RGV is that willingness to just blast it long to Damas and really sort of skirt the issue of the press. But at the same time, if you're Orange County, you can't rely on that for 90 minutes against a team that can build from the back and has the technical ability that San Antonio throws out there. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup if you're an Orange uh, Dylan, County fan. Dylan, let me ask you really quick. Um, is this a match then where we're going to see maybe the inclusion of a Thomas and a Voldson or an Ugo Coley in the starting lineup to try and um, provide a little help for Ronald Thomas in this type of a match? I'm not certain. Um, I really don't think we'll see Thomas Enoboldson that early because I don't think he's fit enough to last. I think this was the biggest test of his fitness that he's had since his knee injury in May. Um, and, and he did well, but he's not nearly as mobile as he was uh, earlier this year or certainly not as mobile as he was in 2018. Um, and if I'm honest, um, I think Ugo... And, and Ronaldo can hold up the ball about as well as each other right now. And Ronaldo's um, quite a bit more mobile, uh, getting after the ball, and, and quite a bit more, um, in the nicest way possible, quite a bit more lethal in front of net right now. I think his confidence is, I mean, incredibly high. Uh, if he can stay onside, he could really do some damage. Um, and I, I think honest, Hugo is... In your mind, Ronaldo Domus is Michael Seaton 2.0 for this club. No, they're very different players. I'm not going to say that. But you're saying um, he's and... got that hold up. He he's got that hold up capability like Google has, and he's putting more pressure on. And I, I I'll say this right: when Ugo first joined the team last season, early on, I think there was the conversation that he's not a Michael Seaton because he doesn't put the pressure on for 90 minutes like Seaton did. I think Ronaldo does that. Uh, and you said he does the hold up like Ugo. Yeah, I just I feel like Ugo has not had a great final month of the year in his hold up play. The way that we Orange County has really, really needed him to hold the ball up, um, and that's fine because you go in and out of form over a season, and hopefully he's getting hot, um, or hopefully he's just hot in front of goal. Because you know what, if you can if you can fail to hold up the ball, but you can put a couple goals in the back of the net, and he's done so, uh, then then you take that. Um, the trade-off is I think he's working harder than he was in 2019 when he first arrived. No, nope, that was 2020 when he first arrived. Excuse me. Um, years are so difficult, as uh, people might remember from my first appearance on the show this year. But um, I just think Ronaldo's confidence is high, and he's been he's been kicked a lot. And he's 
he's lost a lot of duels um, physically and 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 literally uh, on paper, but he's he's kept to it, and so that's that's got to be worth something. And I don't see how you can drop your team's top scorer when he's still getting into positions to score, still putting shots on target, still scoring the winning penalty um, or the penalty to advance because technically it's not a win. But um, well, we won the PKs. So it's you won the PKs. Yeah, just, I still think you advance. Fight. You advance on PKs. You don't advance win. We didn't. PKs, we but... did not beat Oakland, but we advanced on penalties. But that's that is PKs. that is that was a conversation for 15 minutes ago when my phone died and I was on my way back. Um, we won the PKs. It's twice. That's, that's not how it works, who man. Say, wait, wait, wait. Who could say I am wrong in that statement? Is we won the PKs. You are wrong. We're raising our hands if you're wrong, right? Because Mr. Rulebook, Alan Underwood, I bet you will come out and say because you know why. No, I'm not saying we won the match. I, that's Alan's thing. Is if you advance on PKs, you didn't win the match. You drew and you advance on the PKs. But who won the PK shootout? You don't win a shootout, Listen, man. You just advance. Like or you don't won the first half. Man. What was the score of the shootout, Let Brad? What was the score of the PK shootout? Six to five. He's looking it up. No he's he's muted. He doesn't know. He what wasn't was, okay, John, what was the score of the PK shootout? Six to five. Uh, six to five. Six to five. Who had six? <laughs> the team that's going to be winning You all know where I'm going with this, right? Okay. Orange County had more points in the PK than Oakland, thus they advanced. Is that a better way to say it then, I guess? Sure. But with, when you why, why are you PK getting shootout, so specific? Loses. Everyone loses. A we PK won shootout. the PKs. We didn't win the match. It was a draw, but we won the PKs. That's all I'm going to say there. All right, sorry. Sure, I go just ahead, on a, You, you got guys threw me on a total rant there. Um, I, you know, I my wife will tell you I'm very literal when it comes to stuff. So if Orange County had six PKs and Oakland had five, Orange County did better than Oakland. Um, John's but like, you why could the argue that the refs stopped We're going to argue about one. if you win a PK shootout or not. Um, Alan, <laughs> I, I forgot everything Dylan said there because I got so heated on this PK rant. Uh, Alan, uh, your thoughts. Uh, I think you had a dog in your hands there for a second, but your thoughts on whatever's going on here with Oakland, or not Oakland, uh, Orange County and San Antonio. Uh, Jasper was jumping up to tell me that while Damas will keep Orange County dangerous and in the match, I think he's going to have to score two to win. Like Orange County is going to have to put two in to win this match, I think. I think as well as Orange County is playing and how many clean sheets they've kept, watching the way San Antonio plays, they're a scary team that can just dominate you for enough time uh, that they can put you on your back heels really quickly. Uh, and then all of a sudden they snatch a goal and now you got to get two. Um, I think the longer the game goes without a goal, the more chance Orange County has of snatching something like that from Damas. Um, we saw this with both playoff games in San Antonio. They came out and just punched their opponent in the mouth. Like San Diego was not ready for that jelly. So, um, uh, Yes, that is a bootylicious reference. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, and and Harry, you, you said it right. Like, watching that match, I was just like, damn, they're just a better team than San Diego, for sure. Uh, and they're a better team than RGV. I think right now San Antonio is playing some of the best soccer in USL. 
Uh, I think you're playing the best soccer in the Western Conference for sure. Um, and I think Orange Wait. County is going to have their hands full. Again, I think if I think if San Antonio scores in the first half, I think it, it's Dunsies. Um, I think they have enough firepower to to keep it keep Orange County away from the goal. I said this against San Diego. Like if San Antonio scores twice, the game's over. Uh, I think I think it'd be a, a very tall ask for Orange County to score twice. Uh, so Orange County has got to keep it close into half. It needs to be nil nil in the half. Um, and if it's if it's not, it's got to be one one um, in order for Orange County to survive this one. I think this is going to be a super fun match to watch. Uh, two teams that are playing well in their specific styles. I just think San Antonio is a, and I know I might get uh, roasted on a future podcast from a, a player like uh, a la Aiden Quinn when I said that they would win against a, a certain Real Monarchs team. I just, the way they're playing right now on paper, I San Antonio is is one of the best. Uh, so Orange County has got to play the best game they've played all season in order to get a win here. So I'm going to go to you next really quick, Brad. So Alan says Orange County needs two goals to win if they're going to be able to win this match. So basically we got to look back to the last match that Orange County scored two goals. And that was against Las Vegas. Uh, uh, what, roughly a month ago. Uh, so basically just match what we did against Las Vegas, right, Brad? No, no. If you're going to get two goals, they need to come early in the game. You need to get on the board uh, before San Antonio does. And not only that, but you need to keep the pedal to the metal on that one. You know, we were lucky to get out of that or or that Vegas game with that second goal late in the game. Um, you you can't rely on having your first goal come what almost seventy minutes in. So that's what they've relied on this whole run is they've done that and it's worked so far. I mean, why why change what has been working for you now for what two and a half months or two months really because there was that congested period, right? Brad, no, yes. I- I thought just that was a rhetorical just say question. Yes. Yes. No, just say yes. Sure. Um, let me ask you really quick, John, because, you know, Mr. Tack just got to ask you this. Is San Antonio at a disadvantage because they will not be able to get their pregame Whataburger when they're here in Orange County? And they'll have to go with, I guess, what San Antonians think is uh, inferior in and out burger? Okay, I think this might be a hairy question, but I certainly think that in and out might give them a boost, if anything, just because it's so much better than Whataburger. Uh, yes, I, I I knew that was coming. Um, Harry, what what are the San Antonio players going to do without a Whataburger within driving distance here in Irvine or Orange County or even California, uh, to be precise? Well, hopefully, uh, no offense to Whataburger, hopefully the players are not eating Whataburger on game day. <laughs> so first of all, my son doesn't even like Whataburger on game day uh, until after the match. Uh, for that here, well, why do uh, why why do Texans think that Whataburger is so much better than In and Out when it's why in do you think Californians not? think In and Out is? It's because it's from Texas. I've had both. I enjoy a double double animal style. Don't get me wrong, animal fries sometimes. If I want to, you know, splurge, the fries are awesome. But uh, you know, it's it's to to me, you could flip a coin. You know, I think they're both good, but you know, it's. It's, uh, you know, one's Texas and one's California. And uh, in the state of Texas, uh, you're not going to agree that the uh, California burger is better than the Texas burger. And I'm pretty sure it's vice versa in in uh, in California. So 
There we go. I like BA, BA County uh, Double Double with grilled onions and chopped chilies. There we go. Look at that. They don't got that in Texas. Uh, they actually do. They have In-N-Out in Texas. We do. Uh, I don't have know. Do they have San one in San Antonio? They do. So yes, I guess your do. players, that's where they go pre-matches to In-N-Out to, to be so good. Um, Harry, uh, as a San Antonio person, what does San Antonio – okay, let me ask you this. What does Orange County do that would cause you to be scared? In this score match. first. So if Orange County scores first, you're you're scared. Score first, and if San Antonio doesn't equal, so if Orange County goes in one nothing at the half, game's over. San Antonio is gonna they're gonna keep pushing, and and you know it's well documented that uh, you know there are players on San Antonio that can get frustrated if things aren't going well, if the refs aren't calling things right. Um, if it's just an off day, uh, you know, for that here. But to me, who scores first, if there is, a, if, you know, I think there are going to be goals in this game uh, for here. I just, I just think with San Antonio, uh, you can't, you can't play the same style that you played against Oakland. I, I don't believe Orange County can, you know, can do that. I think you're going to have to be a little bit more attacking style um, for that here. If Orange County gets an early goal, um, and you know, you and I have discussed this what for a couple of years. You know, if you look at San Antonio Orange County head to head, you know, you have to go all the way back to twenty. Uh, was it twenty sixteen? I want it or twenty seventeen? You know, twenty sixteen uh, for the last San Antonio win. Um, for that here, since then it's been draws like uh, you know in twenty eighteen. You know. Orange County, you know, claimed, uh, you know, won both matches 3-0, and then the following year, 2019, 0-0 draw. So um, Orange County, at least historically, has had San Antonio's numbers. Um, but I think – I just think – I think this team is playing at a different level, something that we haven't seen before um, – you know, in, in, in the years of San Antonio, this team reminds me back, you know, going back to the NAS, NASL years of the Scorpions where they got on that role. They've got that confidence. Um, Alan Marcina plays a different style where it's it's constant pressure and no offense to the to the teams in the Pacific. But they don't play – they play a more finesse style. And, and I think, you know, Orange County is probably one of the more physical teams out in the Pacific. But I don't see them as as physical, as, you know, as pressing as San Antonio. And, and it's it's a different – it's a different feel um, when, when you when you face that team. Um, San Antonio doesn't care if, if, if they put a body on you. Um, and they, they'll take an uh, they'll take an early yellow card, you know, as, as they saw, you know, saw in the loyal game. Uh, that doesn't scare them. They don't back off. And but to me, this game's going to come down to who scores first. Um, if San Antonio is able to get the lead, and then if Orange County scores for scores first, where they then they can set back and absorb the pressure, um, you know, and, and just pass it around because San Antonio won't keep the ball. Um, they, they go direct and, you know, then there'll be Orange County's ball to, to kind of bleed out the time. All right. I'm going to go to you next, John. Uh, tactical breakdown, Orange County, San Antonio, uh, as best you can do in a short bit of time. I'm sure you could do a whole hour 
uh, discussing the way these two teams will match up, the tactical breakdown, the the chess match. But give us the the what is it? Cliff Notes version, Cliff's Notes version of uh, this. I'm now I'm dating myself. I don't know if even that's still a thing. Who knows? Yeah. So I mean, if you're San Antonio, I think the real tenets of how you play, you've got the three at the back. You're pushing those wing backs high up the pitch. You're pressing really hard, trying to manufacture turnovers, get into these transitional phases where when you have these talented players like Jose Gallegos, Marcus Epps on the other wing, they just feast in the open field that you get when you force a turnover like that. So trying to manufacture those chances against an Orange County side that isn't going to play ball with that. They're going to sit in two deep lines of four players, going to go long a lot of the time not going to pass it around at the back and open themselves up to being pressed in that sort of way. I think that's really the key tactical dynamic here where San Diego is going to, or San Diego, geez, San Antonio has to try to manufacture some of those transitional moments in the best way that they can. But at the same time, if you're Orange County, you can't just sit back and lump it up to Ronaldo Damas because San Antonio plays that three at the back that is so naturally able to deal with alone forward chasing these long balls. So I think the point being made about whoever gets that first goal, whether that's on a set piece or something like that, really is going to be key to how this game breaks down. If Orange County goes up one nothing, I have a real tough time seeing them giving up the lead. But I think it could get ugly if it goes the other way, just because OC opening up really creates those opportunities that definitionally to the Alan Marcina system uh, really breed success for San Antonio. All right, there we go. Um, really quick, we're going to do predictions, but I want to go uh, really quick down like each of the areas of the, of these rosters and find out who you think has a better uh, defense, midfield, whatever. So uh, we're going to go around the table here. We're going to go goalkeepers, Patrick Rakowski, Jordan Farr, better, uh, Goalkeepers, Alan, or better goalkeeper. I, I don't. I don't Flip a coin. Was, yeah, pretty much. I think they're All right. Yep. It's coin toss. Brad, what do you think? I agree with the coin toss. I, I don't know. Dylan, it's got to be a coin toss, right? I mean, if Jordan Farr can keep it in the pitch, uh, keep it within the lines. Uh, at Championship Stadium, then I think he might be the uh, the better keeper. It's gonna be it's that close. I mean, who's the better keeper, uh, Rakowski or Far? For me, I'll go with Orange County, uh, just because I think Far's Far's only been with San Antonio for two weeks now. So if there could be that breakdown in communication under pressure where Kelsey's uh, been with the team all year. So I'll, I'll, I'll lean Orange County. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll go ahead um, and tackle that as well and just say I do think Rakowski is probably the better shot stopper of the two, but as an indie guy, I got a lot of love for uh, Jordan Farr. Yeah, I don't mean anything yeah. bad about him. I just I think it's just yeah. the more the communication and pressure, pressure situation – Far, you know, it's been two weeks, but you know, like I said, that's not a season. Um, defense, which team has a better defense, Alan? Oh, that one's tough too. I think 
I think maybe individually there's some people in Orange County who you might look at as better defenders, but um, I mean, I saw the way that they have just manhandled teams. Um, San Antonio is like a phenomenal defensive team, but I'm maybe a little bit of a nod to Orange County. I think, uh, what, six clean sheets out of the last seven matches is pretty darn good, uh, especially against one of those teams is Phoenix. Um, so I'll give maybe a little bit of nod to the back line of Orange County. I think San Antonio's defensive strength comes from their, their, their the whole team as, as they play. All right, Brad. Um, okay, I was unmuted. Uh, right now in form, I got to give it to uh, Orange County on this one. Dylan. Yeah, this is this is a tough situation in which you've got a team that plays uh, three at the back or five at the back, depending on how you look at it. Really, it's it's just three at the back um, versus and will occasionally concede a goal versus a team that hasn't conceded a goal um, in a little bit. I've got a dog here with me now who there have some snout. I I want if Michael Roscoe's fit, I want to say Orange County, but I'm a total homer. He's a total homer. Harry, are you a homer? Yeah, it's San Antonio, and I don't even think it's close. All right, we got to go to Mr. Tactics, John. Uh, you're, you're the tiebreaker. Better defense, Orange County or San Antonio? Yeah, Alan hit the nail on the head that San Antonio as an entire unit is better defensively, but I think just in terms of the players you're looking at in the back line, I'm going to give the slightest of edges to OC. Harry, you're, you're not doing too well here so far, but maybe it'll change. Who knows? Midfield. Midfield uh, grouping there. Who's got the advantage? Uh, let's go reverse, but I'm going to leave John for last just because he's sort of Mr. Tactics. Got to hear him last. So go to Harry first. Uh, and obviously you can't go against Miko Kuningas. He's just the greatest midfielder ever. Probably. You know, anyone that um, loves social social distortion all the way from Denmark um, has got to be at the top of the list. I'm going to say it's a draw. Or where's he from? Where's he from? I'm wrong. Finland. How Finland. dare you, Ray? Rough area of the world. Samora out. Samora out. Sorry. Okay, go, Harry. I'm going to say it's pretty close to a draw. Um you know, because I do think I do think Orange County's midfield solid, and I think San Antonio's is, is if we're talking about strengths, and this is going to seem kind of weird to say, the midfield, in my opinion, is you know looking at between the, the three sets, you know, three sets that was nervous. Forward he sounds here. nervous talking about his midfield. Well, I don't want to be total homer. So um, I'll go draw. I, I, I think it's pretty even. Um, the homer County needs, solid. San the, Antonio, uh, 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 it's a draw. Sorry, Harry. Just, I, I had to do it. I, I just, I just, it's, he, it's just he's tough. Too, he does not want to say Orange County. This he's he's trying so hard not to find uh, to find. No, I, I, it's County. actually the other way where I don't want to just seem like you know. Hey, it's it's. You know, and I know my prediction is going to be that way, but um, just I, I think for, you know, for defensively with PC with with Abu, um, Maloney, uh, you know, Maloney PC and Abu, I think that they they bring that. 
I just don't know. And this is, you know, this is going to be one of my questions to you guys is up front, do you guys have like an Epps or, you know, Jose Gallegos that can kind of control that has the speed that, that I don't, I've watched OC a little bit, but I don't see that attacking prowess on, on your side. So when I look at, at the midfield, I think defensively, you guys probably have a, you know more of an advantage on that. But if you flip it over to the offensive side, that's where I, I don't see the attacking prowess that, that San Antonio has. And that's where, you know, when you're talking about midfield. So you're going for the draw. I went draw because I do think if you're talking about defensively, I'll, I'll lean probably a little bit more OC. But offensively, you know, I, I don't think, you know, at least in my opinion, and I don't watch Orange County every week like you guys do. Um, I don't think that they have the attacking prowess that 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 Gallegos and and Epps bring at, at this point. Maybe not the same level, but there's there are players sort of like a Brian Olosky that provide a little bit of offensive threat from the midfield. Uh, Kaningas does a little bit of that as well. Um, Dylan, better midfield, Orange County, San Antonio. I kind of have to echo Harry here. I think defensively it might be Orange County, but um, and that's some disrespect to Brian Olosky, but Gallegos is something special um can i go withdraw as well it's this one's too close i have a good answer for the next one but this one's just too close for me all right brad can, can someone just you know be confident in an answer here brad uh i don't even think you said that uh miko Kaningas is the best uh midfielder on orange county i don't even think he's the best midfielder on orange county i think that goes to uh calvillo who's kind of been quietly having one of the better seasons you know and i've given him a lot of uh flack in the past um you all know that my my like my thoughts are not based strictly on the performance on the field, right? Miko Kuning is just the most amazing player. Mm. You know, the, the perfect hair, the perfect music, and just a, a great all-around guy. Brad. All that said, I'm but I can't, give... I can't remember his country that he, the country he's from for some reason. Who knows? Go, Brad. I'm gonna give uh, um, San Antonio a slight edge in the midfield, though. Alan. Uh, can I make the same argument, but in reverse regarding San Antonio and Orange County, in that. I think that there are some really strong standouts for Orange County's midfield, but I think as a unit, um, what San Antonio brings to the pitch um, might be a better unit. I think that there's a couple uh, of weak spaces in Orange County's midfield that can uh, that might be um, a weak link. I mean, but you're looking, I mean, Seth Kasipley's there. Kaningas is always great, but he came on late. Dylan Powers has been pretty consistent as a defender. Um, but I Tommy think McHugh just... always starts. Yeah, but I, I think that just like player to player, like I think as a unit, I think maybe San Antonio is a better unit. I think Orange County has a couple of standout players that could uh, tilt it in their favor, but I'm going to, and then again, how do you define a midfielder with Orange County set up versus San Antonio set up? Is Brian Olosky really a midfielder or is he like more of a, you know, attacking guy that you might put in the front line? Like just it depends on how you define them. Uh, I'm going to give San Antonio a slight edge, but I think Orange County does have a couple of pretty special players that can make a difference. John. Yeah. I mean, you were asking for someone to be decisive here. I'm pretty convinced that San Antonio is the better midfield. I mean, if you're including Gallegos and Epps as midfielders instead of forwards, like there's not really a question for me. I'm, that's as someone who's been watching PC since he was in Fort Lauderdale and then ASL, it, like just loves the guy. But I mean, 
the talent in that San Antonio midfield and the way that Marcina has them arranged to maximize their talent just is pretty unbeatable for me. Ray, what's your views? I, I, I don't believe I've heard your views on, on it as well. I know you've asked the, the five of us, but what is yours? Orange County. Everyone Orange knows County. I have no views on anything. It's just I'm the moderator <laughs> of this whole show. Um, I, I bring my views when there's very specific views that I agree on, like, you know, Orange County won it, the PK shootout. Um, let's go to attacking players, uh, forwards, really quick. Let's, let's, let's just do really quick answers. San Antonio. Pick a team, one or no. Harry says San Antonio. Dylan. I'm on the Ronaldo Damas train. All right. So Orange says County. Orange County, Brad. Yeah, we can't hear Brad. What about you, Alan? San Antonio. I, I would I, same argument for middle midfield San Antonio, but Damas could steal a win, like if it's close. Like Damas has the ability to put a team on his back and get a goal when you need it. But I think again, as a team and as a unit, I think San Antonio has a stronger offensive unit. John Wink. Yeah, OC. Okay, cool. Um, prediction time, and we are not going. We're going to ignore the prediction that Jacob threw into YouTube. If anyone is watching on YouTube, do not look at his prediction because that is not a good prediction that we have there. Um, score prediction for this match. We don't need to know anything else but the score. I'm going to go to our, our opponent guest here first. Harry, what is your prediction for this match? 3-0. It's not close. 3-0, and he doesn't pick a team. Uh, Brad, what is your prediction? Uh, I think... I, thought, uh, I, thought, I honestly thought, Harry, you were just going to say 3-0 and hope one of the teams scores three, and you'd be like, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't think Orange County stays in this match. I don't. I think San Antonio is going to walk him off the pitch. By the way, I think you have a friend uh, watching our stream, Royce Alvarez. He picks 2-0 San Antonio as well. Uh, Brad? Uh, I'm still going to give uh, the edge to the home field advantage. Uh, 2-1 Orange County. All right, Alan? 2-1 San Antonio. Ooh, Dylan. Dylan's ready to throw down now. I'm a, I'm a throw down, guys. Uh, just kidding. 2-1 Orange County. I love copying Brad. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, John, your prediction. Yeah, on the record for 2 nothing to San Antonio and not the closest game. Who who thinks who, who thinks they know what my prediction is? <laughs> I think Jacob knows what my prediction is going to be, but he's flipping it incorrectly. Dylan, what's my prediction? 5-0 San Antonio, which... Might be a pretty fair assumption if this game, if San Antonio scores early, that might be a pretty fair prediction for how this game goes. Hey, you know why I make my predictions the way I do. Dylan, I know you do not agree with my prediction style, but it has been working. Is this a time you want me to change it? I'm going to ask you right now. Should I change it and make a legit prediction or should I go with what's been working for this team? I'm going to put it on you, Dylan. What do I do? I have a little faith, Ray. I think you should just, you should switch it up. All right, so Orange County, you have heard Dylan. He wants me to switch it up and not go with what has been working for this team this whole playoff run. So I'm going to do it. If Orange County fails to be victorious here, we all know who to blame. It's Mr. Dylan for not letting me go with my trusted and true and tested prediction method. My prediction is going to be 2-1 Orange County. I do, have one, I do quick have question. one quick question. Go here. Question here for you. 
And, and Royce kind of talked talked about it here. We know how San Antonio is going to, going to attack. How is Orange County going to attack San Antonio? 100% through Domus. So just over Simple. the top? Simple and sweet. That's going to be the main way that it'll happen. Uh, unless anyone else, I think Alan maybe has a different thought. It looked like you were about to grab the... I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, some hold up play. Um, it might not be like exactly like route one over the top long ball. Hope Thomas runs into it. Although there's going to be plenty of that. I think there might be some attempts to do some, some build up uh, through some outlets to alleviate pressure. Uh, like we saw against Oakland and maybe some nice build up play in the final third. If, you know, Thomas out of Volson gets a chance to play at the, the back end. I think you're going to see some of that. But I, I think there's going to be a fair amount of we believe Ronaldo Damas is the fastest guy in the pitch. And if we can place balls perfectly in between the back line and the keeper, we're going to get a chance to nip a goal. Um, so and, and again, I, I'll defer to uh, tactic master John, but I, I did see some of those elements in OC about that trying to hold up. And Damas is pretty good at that for his size. Um, and but I, I think most of the outlet is going to be kick it long and, and, and hope. Yeah, I think, I mean, the Domus thing certainly is going to be the primary mode of attack and I don't love it against that three at the back for San Antonio. At the same time, you had some bright moments, especially where Iloski would come deep, pick up the ball, sort of spark things for Orange County. And I think that might be a route to some level of success. If you're not going to just go for that uh, direct style of play. But I really do have a tough time seeing how Orange County breaks this team down. There we go. Does that work for you, Harry? Yeah, it does. All right. Um, let's quickly, quickly, John, and I hate to do this and, and rush you. Give us your quick, I guess, overview, preview of the Eastern Conference final uh, between Tampa Bay and Louisville before we wrap things up here. Sure. So I think with Louisville, they've really shown this trend where it takes them a while to grow into a game and then they get comfortable and really take control of it. And they just don't have that luxury against a team as sharp as Tampa. With Louisville especially, they're a team that tries to pin you back, keep possession in the final third. And from there, they can rely on some of the smartest midfielders in the league to really make good runs off of each other. Uh, I mean, you'll see one of the big things that you saw in the last game was Gonzalez would pinch in from the left, which would give you Gomez bombing up the left er, up that same wing. I mean, things like that where it's predicated on possession, and Tampa doesn't let you have that. They've got the best defense in the league, maybe accepting OC. They can hit you on the counter. They can possess the ball themselves. I just think that Tampa is too dynamic, and I know I'm coming in with a bit of bias in that regard. But the way that they can drive play through the wing backs, they can work it centrally through players like Lewis Hilton, who for me is one of the best box-to-box players in the league. And then they've got uh, Sebastian Gonzati up top, who's just absolutely magical at times. I, I never want to count out Louisville, but I do think that Tampa is the favorite here. So you're calling it Tampa's going to win this match? I've got a 2 nothing for Tampa on that side All as right, well. So- so John's got Tampa, San Antonio in the final. We will see if he is correct once this weekend ends here. Um, but uh, let's do this really quick. There's a bunch of, uh, this is like 
coaching carousel season. It's already begun, even though the season's not ended. We're not going to talk about stuff because we've gone way past our allotted time here. We will save that type of talk uh, either for next week or down the road when we, we decide to look at some of this stuff. We're going to get to our random week. thoughts here at this point. Huh? It'll be next week. Okay. Oh, well, geez. We're going to be busy talking about the championship game that Orange County will will be participating in. i got to slow down my speech so I don't mess it up. Um, random thoughts really quick. Let's do quick random thoughts, and we'll go from there. Um, let's go first to Brad. Brad, random thought. My random thought is sports-related. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes are something special so far this year. They beat the Golden Knights tonight. All right, Alan. Um, be nice to each other on the internet. Even if your team loses, you don't deserve death threats. A la L tree fans when they lost to us, they're humans. There we go. Dylan. Uh, I just want to tell you that no death threats thing. That was kind of crazy that a USL commentator is getting death threats. Cause he didn't pick your team. Um, and if you yeah, do that, that you're odd. a piece of word. I can't say on this podcast. Um, my actual random thought was it is an incredibly small world because I happened to be in North Park, San Diego last night, and I happened to see none other than San Diego Loyal's own Jack Metcalf walking around. Um, and then I stared at him because I was like, oh, dang, I know this guy. And then he stared at me and he looked really annoyed. Um, so my advice and my random thought is that you better have some grade A-ish to talk if you see a professional player in public. But like a funny, in a funny way, like um, Alan had some good stuff. If it was Corey Herzog, I would have said smoothies suck, which is false. Um, and I, I, I loved my time having smoothies with Corey. But yeah, have some great ish to talk. Um, everyone have a lovely week. Be good to one another, regardless of what happens. Drink smoothies with soccer players. Um, I, I think one time a few months back, I saw Miko Kuningas at the Costco gas station, uh, a couple cars in front of me. So who knows? Dude, I saw him getting gas like three weeks ago. If he was driving a Mark Six Jetta, it was Miko Kuningas. It may have been that. I, I know it wasn't something super fancy. Um, so let's go, Harry. Random thought. So random thought number one. Uh, I know there's going to be a few San Antonio fans that are going to be traveling out. So I hope they have a great time. Uh, from everything that I've heard, uh, Orange County is, is a great host. Um, and tonight, Ray unfortunately got the best of us. Uh, his Clippers uh, defeated uh, the Spurs, which is not exactly shocking. Uh, but uh, they but that's did a precursor up. to what's going to happen this weekend, just so you know. Hopefully it's not. I will continue to get the best of, of those people in San Antonio. Uh, John, random thought. Yeah, uh, swing it back to the hockey stuff to wrap up here. And my Arizona Coyotes, who were on pace for the worst season in the history of professional hockey, got a win tonight. So happy to see that. Yeah. They're still on pace for the worst. We don't talk about it. It's hockey. I, I, it I, is I on ESPN have... Plus, which is which is a nice bonus. Yes, I love right. that. It makes it worth the dollar increase they had. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, I don't have a random thought. I have a random question. Really quick for Harry, but this has to be really quick, Harry. Two or three players that are the most easily riled up on San Antonio, just so that I can let Rob Kiernan know. I can't give you that information. Oh, but you have to because you're a guest on our show. You have you, you uh, signed the contract. Well, you have to it's, answer everything. It's no honestly. secret. Patino, uh, PC. Um, i trying to think who the third one. Arturo Rodriguez. By the way, 
by the way, what, what kind of name? What, that's not his real name, right? PC is not the real name. Uh, no, it's Victor Giro. Okay. I, I was just wondering when I saw that jersey, that was the most random jersey I saw. It shows you how much I follow San Antonio. He's just he, advocating to, to use nicer words to each other. Or he's just advocate, uh, advocating don't use Apple. Um, and I'll say the third one. Um, he hasn't really had any incidents yet, but um, Courtney Ford is is one that uh, you know his his time in San Antonio. He has a he's not shy. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll just leave it at that. Wouldn't you be upset too, or get easily upset if you were named after shoddy cars? Um, I want to thank our guest, Harry. Uh, John from USL Tactics, Harry from SA Soccer Roundtable, mm-hmm. and then, of course, our regular uh, voices here on the show, and our producer, uh, Andy. I know we went a lot longer than we normally do, but it was previewing the Western Conference Finals. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, I appreciate that. For all the listeners, thank you for listening. Go on our website if you want to listen to any past episodes, ocscpodcast.com. Uh, I want to thank everyone. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We're out. Oh, God.